0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 41 of Season 1 Reading with Grace, where we will continue reading The Unwanted's Island of Legends. Today we will be picking up from Chapter 11, but first a recap of Chapters 6-10. through 10. The battle with Warbler begun, and Warbler's first line of attack was catapulting the island's children. Aaron doesn't know whether he can trust Secretary or not yet, and begins to panic about the Warbler ships. Due to the battle, Skye had a near death experience, which scared Alex. Once all the Warbler children had been shackled and disarmed, Crow translated that their parents convinced the Queen to send them to Artemis on purpose, to give them a chance at a better life. Alex made his way to Quill to confront Aaron. He ran into Secretary, who stayed quiet and pointed out Aaron's office. That's the end of the summary. Enjoy the episode! 11. CONFRONTATION AT THE PALACE Alex remained still a moment longer, confused and surprised, and then brusquely nodded his thanks. He turned on his heel toward the office door, while Eva slipped downstairs at a frightening speed for an old woman. Alex shoved the door open. It slammed against the wall and a giant hinge broke off, which made a dissonant clang when it bounced on the stone floor. The high priest Aaron Stowe jumped out of his seat, yelling out in fright. His pencil went flying, and the paper he was doodling on slipped to the floor. "'What do you want?' Aaron demanded, once he realized it was his brother standing before him. "'Secretary!' But Eva Fathom had been swift enough to make it outside, and arguably out of earshot. Alex caught a glimpse of her from Aaron's window, walking along as if she hadn't heard. Alex picked up the paper, looking at Aaron's ship drawings, in disgust. He faced his brother, and the anger welled up again. He slammed the paper down on Aaron's desk and gave him a cold stare. "'You're a disgusting coward!' Aaron looked on in disdain. "'Please,' he said with a sneer. "'I'm the High Priest of Quill. You'll treat me with respect!' He snatched the paper and moved it out of Alex's reach. Alex laughed bitterly. "'Right. Like how you treat me?' "'I don't have to treat you with respect,' Aaron said. "'You're nobody.' "'I see.' Alex toyed with the spell components in his robe pocket. Well, it may surprise you to realize that I am not under your command, so I don't have to respect you, nor do I. But I'm not here to quibble about that. I'm here to call you a coward and inform you that you don't do a better job protecting our island. You may not remain high priest for long. Aaron glanced out the window at the 40-foot wall around Quill. I'm taking care of my island just fine. In fact, further reinforcements go in place today. We protected you. From... warblers attack on our island you saw the ships aaron barely shifted they weren't attacking quill we all live on this island aaron and they didn't get into quill because we kept them on the bay of our shore we protected your people and what did you do you ran away and hid Alz could feel the bile rising to his throat you're such a stinking coward next time we'll let them in and point them to the direction of your cruddy palace "'No, actually, you won't,' Aaron said coolly. "'After today, there will no longer be an entrance into Quill.' "'What?' Alex looked confused for a moment, and then his eyes flew to the window once more. "'You filled in the hole in the wall?' he said. "'Why would you want to do that?' "'And we're blocking over the space where the gate was as well. "'You'll have to continue fighting battles on your own. "'I'm not interested. "'Justine had it right, and I have it even more right. "'There will no longer be any vulnerable parts to our fortress.' Alex gripped his head in frustration. "'Aaron, not that I care to help you, but that's a huge mistake. Just because you can't see things happening doesn't mean they aren't happening. Besides, some of your Quillians visit—' Aaron cut him off. "'Actually, the fact that all of you exist is the huge mistake, and I do blame Justine for not being aware of what her nasty brother was doing. And I'm not stopping there.' Once we've walled over the gate, I'll be blockading your magical entrance to Haluki's house. Since you haven't destroyed your evil tube in Artemis, I'm going to have to do it here. We'll never have to see each other again. Alex seethed. Fine. You need us more than we need you anyways. Ha! Tell that to all the unwanted and necessaries. You starved. They're all here in Quill. Alex worked his jaw. When you come to regret this, remember that you sealed your own fate. Literally... If you all off all access, it will be forever, if I have anything to say about it. He pulled himself up to his full height. You want to cut all ties? That's completely fine with me. I don't need you in my life. You're just as cowardly, annoying, fly-buzzing about being worthless. He went on, growing more stubborn and reckless by the minute. But make no mistake, if you do it, Artemis will never, ever help you again. Never. As if I need help from a bunch of unwanted losers. "'Alex glared at his brother. "'He glanced at the drawing on Aaron's desk "'and shook his head disgusted. "'You could have been one of us. "'Death would have been a better option.' "'Alex clenched and unclenched his fists, "'and just before he turned to leave, "'he did something he knew was completely, utterly wrong. "'He wound up and punched Aaron smack in the jaw. "'Aaron reeled off balance and flipped over his chair, "'landing hard on his back on the floor. "'He grunted, the wind knocked out of him. "'That's for the day in the rain when we were ten, "'Alex said.' He shook his hand out, adjusted his robe around his neck, and set off out of the palace. 12. Paying respects Instead of heading straight to Oluki's house to take the two back to Artime, after he released the spells he put on the guards at the gate, Alex found himself wandering through the sectors of Quill. He ignored the glances from Quillians and walked stone-faced in one particular direction as though propelled there by a mystical force. Soon he found himself in the ancient sector, standing in front of the burial grounds. Alex hadn't been here in years, not since he was a little boy, spending the day helping his father dig graves. How grotesque, Alex thought now, about this job that could have really been meaningful. But here in Quill, it was ordinary and emotionless when you knew no one you cared about, the dead. There was no mourning. As he thought about the grave he sought, he began to worry that Aaron had turned it into some sort of mockery, a reason to rejoice. Alex imagined a sign celebrating the death of the farmer himself, the death farmer who had tricked all of Quill for dozens of years, who had defeated Quill once already, to the high priest Aaron's great shame. Alex wished he demanded to bury Mr. Today's body himself, back when Aaron had delivered the major's robe to him, but by then it had been too late. He picked up his pace, dreading what he might find. He walked over to the small building and began to read the names of the recent dead. He scanned the list, recognizing a few surnames. Quillians who had died in the skirmish that broke out after Artemis disappeared. And then he saw it. Marcus today, 89-25. 89-25, Alex whispered. He dodged Necessary Worker and headed over to the burial area, searching for row 89. When he found it, he swept his eyes down the row, expecting to see some sort of display taunting the death of the great mage of Artemis. Nothing stood out. Alex made his way down the row, counting out the mounds of dirt, until he came to great number twenty-five. It looked like all the others, completely forgotten. He was a distant memory here, just like everyone else. Alex knelt down, placing his hand on the top of the hot dirt. It felt like he should say something, but there was nothing adequate coming from the void inside him, so he remained quiet and stared at the dirt as a bead of sweat dripped from his temple to the tip of his nose and landed on the grave. After a time, Alex rose. Heat-hearted, he turned back to the road, but on his first step, he kicked something in the dirt alongside Mr. Today's grave. He bent over and picked it up, shaking off the dust. It was a dried flower. Sort of, anyway. It wasn't like any flower in Artemis. But Alex felt like he'd seen a flower like this before somewhere. In Quill? he muttered. He knew there were no flowers here. Oh, he said after a moment, the favorite farm. He'd been there on a few secret excursions, stealing food when all was lost in Artemis. This flower was a blossom from a pumpkin vine. He gave it a quizzical look and set it on top of Mr. Today's grave. Someone brought a flower for you, he murmured. How strange. I wonder who it was. After a moment, Alex rose once more and walked back toward the road, keeping his eyes low whenever he passed a necessary at work. He knew that his colorful robe, he couldn't help but stand out, but he didn't want to talk to anybody. Artemis, with its injured and its new inhabitants, called out to him. He had to get back. As Alex turned out of row 89, a familiar, stoop figure caught his eye. Alex's stomach clenched, and he took a sharp breath. The man looked up at the noise, his tired eyes widened, and then flitted to Alex's robe, and a sense of recognition spread across the man's face. "'Hello, Father,' Alex said. The realization of Mr. Stowe's face turned quickly to fear. He looked around wildly this way and that, as if he were being watched, and then darted up the steps to the burial building and disappeared inside.' alex stood for a moment trying to figure out what had just happened trying to determine what he was supposed to do now go after him not a chance alex had been just fine with not seeing his parents ever again although he had to admit he was curious about his new siblings had his mother had the babies yet she must have by now he found at the door to the burial building when his father didn't return alex shrugged and headed down a street that cut through the heart of quill out of the ancient sector and through the wanted sector he skirted the amphitheater in the commons where he had been purged and went down a row of houses in what looked like to be a deserted, necessary neighborhood. Deserted, Alex thought with a snort, because all the necessaries had escaped from Quill to Artemis, not the other way around. Sure, Artemis had lost a few people like Cole Wicket to Quill during the tough times. Alex wondered what Cole was doing now, but the majority of the movers were moving into Artemis, not out of it. As he pondered the whereabouts of Cole Wicket and company, Alex came across two neighboring houses with a strange, bluish-white glow coming from the windows. He looked from one house to the other, scratched his head, and looked again, wondering if the desert heat and quill was making him see things. After a moment, he shoved off, leaving the mystery unsolved, and pushed onward to Aluki's house. On the step, he hesitated, thinking about Aaron's plan to cut all ties. "'Goodbye forever, I guess,' he said to nobody. With a shrug, he went inside the house to Luluki's office, stepped inside the tube, and went home. 13. Seeds of a New Plan The high priest Aaron, straining for breath as he stared at the gray ceiling of his office, muttered, Well, I suppose I deserve that. After a moment more, he picked himself up off the floor, using the corner of the desk to pull himself up to standing. He leaned against the desk and gently fingered his cheek, then opened his mouth gingerly testing his jaw's hinges to see if anything was broken. It was a pretty impressive punch, he had to admit. He picked up the paper from his desk and turned it over, looking at his scribbles for a long moment. Then he folded it and put it away in a drawer, slipping it under his two remaining heart attack spells. He wasn't sure why he wasn't mad at Alex for punching him, Truth be told, as much as he pretended to have it all together, Aaron had been constantly second-guessing himself lately. He'd felt driven by fear, and frankly, that bothered him some, but now going back to Justine's ways seemed right. If only he could be absolutely sure that he could protect himself and Quill from everything. He'd be able to relax a little, because right now, after that attack on Artemis, things were way too dangerous. He just had to get the last reinforcements in place. Once Quill was stabilized, Aaron could focus on his future plans, taking over Artemis and getting rid of the unwanted once and for all. He thought about the dark, musty-smelling jungle where he'd been last night, and fear tore through him anew. He'd been so close to getting attacked. What luck that creature had backed off at the last moment. The night was a blur to Aaron. He still wasn't sure I had managed to get his shackles off. "'Secretary!' he yelled, trying to clear the jungle from his mind. "'Is the opening to Artemis secure?' She didn't answer. He went to the door and shouted for her once more. After searching all around the palace for secretary, to no avail, Aaron finally began barking orders at guards to arrange to have the black hallway of the palace blocked off, so that no one could get in through the magical passageway that Mr. Today had once used. And as long as the old hag was actually taking care of the gate to Artemis, that left only the tube, and Aaron would take care of that himself. He looked around the palace gathering tools and made his way past the Port Carlos to Luki's house. Once inside, he entered the office and opened the closet. He peered at the tube, wondering how it was attached and how to dismantle it. It seemed to be freestanding. Aaron pushed against it, trying to tip it, but it didn't budge. He wandered through Huluki's house, looking for anything at all he could use to cover the opening of the glass. Some tin, perhaps, or a blanket, but neither would be hard to break through. Aaron would have to destroy the button, he supposed, which would prevent someone from getting into Artemis. But would that prevent someone from arriving here? Aaron didn't know. "'It was a puzzling phenomenon to begin with, this magic. "'Still, he didn't want Artemans able to get into Quill to attack without having him some advantage. "'He scratched his head. Maybe he was being hasty. "'Was it really a bad thing that he could stage a surprise attack on his brother "'right in the heart of Alex's own office? "'Perhaps a lock on the closet doors,' Aaron murmured. "'He closed the double doors to the closet and locked the knobs, "'trying to imagine a way to lock them so that anyone trying to come to Quill through the tube "'would be stuck inside the closet.' He'd have to fashion something, he supposed. A tiny thrill ran up his spine as he thought about it, the design it would take. It reminded him of the excitement he felt when he designed the favored farm, and when he thought he'd figure out how to solve the oil problem that the Quillet was having with the vehicles using too much of their drinking water. It was like a different part of his brain woke up. Aaron searched the house again, coming up with a thin, rusty chain attached to a yoke, which had once supported water buckets. It would have to do for now, anything to block off the strange tube." "'What if the creatures to the jungle figured out how to use it? "'It wasn't impossible that could press a few buttons by accident "'and find its own way to Quill. "'As Aaron would draw on the chain around the doorknobs, he frowned. "'The creature had had every chance to attack Aaron, but it didn't. "'It was like it understood Aaron's words. "'Did it? Could it possibly?' "'No,' Aaron said, almost embarrassed to think it. "'But why else? "'Did it somehow sense that I'm the High Priest of Quill?' "'There in Alugi's office it sounded ridiculous.' But so did a magical world called Artemis. yet that existed. Still, he wondered. The thought of the creatures from other realms obeying his commands was enough to get Aaron's blood pumping. If he could command creatures like that, it would be so much easier to take over Artemis. As he worked the chain, his fingers slowed. Aaron bit his lip. It was daylight now. Perhaps. He stood there contemplating for a long moment, and then slowly with trembling fingers. He worked the chain the other way until it slithered to the floor at his feet. The closet doors popped open, and once again... Aaron stepped inside. 14. Wrapping Up Loose Ends After making the rounds once more, checking on the injured and stopping for a meeting with Mr. Applebossom about how to handle the new children from Warbler, Alex took the tube to the lounge. He waved to Fox and Kitten in the band, stopped to greet Earl the lounge blackboard, and made his way over to the booth where his friends had gathered. ''Alex!'' Lonnie exclaimed. ''I thought you were too cool for this place now,'' she grinned. Once jealous that Mr. Today had chosen Alex over her as his successor, Lonnie, after all she'd been through as a prisoner on warbler, no longer held any animosity toward Alex about that. ''I think this place was probably too cool for me,'' Alex said with a laugh. ''I miss this.'' He squeezed in next to Skye, who was feeling back to her old self now that she could breathe. She smiled and dropped her eyes as she scooted to make room. At least we're all together again, Megan said, and Sammy nodded. Sena, and Karina came over and pulled up chairs to join them. And, as it was crowded, Sine tapped the table and the entire booth grew a bit to accommodate them all. He signaled to the lounge server, who in no time brought out a round of creamy orange drinks for everyone. How are the injured? Lonnie asked Karina. Lots of them have been fixed up and sent to their rooms already, Karina said. She leaned her head back against the seat, tired from a long day in the hospital wing. "'Most had scrapes, bruises, that sort of thing, "'a few deep gashes, a handful of concussions, "'and some broken bones, but everybody is stable.' "'That's good to hear,' Monnie said. "'Henry's really developing his skills for medicine,' Karina added. "'He's keeping everybody comfortable and relatively free of pain, "'which is something we weren't able to do the last time we had a battle, "'so I think we're really improving.' "'That would be good,' Sammy said, "'remembering the fight he once had with his father. "'When Mr. Appleblossom had come to his aid, "'his face had ached for days.' Are you feeling all right, Sky? Seen asked. I'm totally fine, Sky said. Her bronze cheeks deepened in color. I just feel kind of stupid about it. I mean, what kind of idiot inhales a rock? The group laughed, and Megan said, "Well, that boulder did explode into a billion pieces right in front of you as you were casting a tuba spell. How could it miss? Well done on that, by the way." Alex glanced sidelong at Sky. "You're casting spells now," he asked. She shrugged. "I had the components. Figured I'd try at least." She did it too, Megan said. Third attempt, Skye added. Alex smiled. He knew not to say anything he'd learned a lot about when to shut up from Lonnie since they first found themselves here in Artemis. He knew that Skye jumbled feelings about whenever she belonged in Artemis and whenever she was created enough to do magic. As much as he and Megan tried to explain to her that everybody in the world was creative in their own ways, Skye kept her distance when it came to embracing the unwanted status. Not because she didn't feel worthy, but because she wanted to prove herself valuable without being magical, which she had multiple times. "'When the rocks started coming at me, I figured I ought to give it a try before being crushed to death,' Skye said agreeably, and then she added as a warning. "'Don't get used to it, though. I tried it once, but I didn't really enjoy it, so I probably won't be doing that again.' "'You never have to,' Alex said. He sipped his orange cream, and the others fell into a pleasant silence. It was good to be together.' I saw my father today, he said. First time since the Purge. Megan frowned. On purpose? Did he come here? No, I ran into him when I went into Quill to take care of a few things. He rubbed his sore knuckles. Aaron, for one. He's planning on walling over the gate between Artem and Quill. He's going back to Justine's ways and then some. Fear, 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 Seen said, his voice angry. And what about the people who like to go back and forth now? They have to choose one place or the other permanently? Alex shrugged. Don't get too worked up. I figure we can blast the wall down anytime we want. It's not like they'll notice. Nobody in the government ever comes near the gate anymore. Oh, Seen said after a moment he chuckled. I hadn't thought of that. Alex sniffed. That's why I'm the mage around here. Seen punched him lightly in the arm. I guess that's why they pay you the big bucks. Sammy frowned. Huh? Karina waved him off. "'Never mind, scene. He's been reading some of the new books and washed ashore this afternoon. "'That was a line from one of them. We have no idea what it means, but it seems to fit.' "'New books,' Lonnie explained. "'Where?' "'They're spread out on a table in the dining room, drying.' "'Where'd they come from?' Alex asked. "'Probably that thing that exploded in the sky,' Megan said, slurping the last of her drink. "'Ah,' Alex said. "'He'd forgotten about that and all the craziness of the attack. "'I suppose in the morning we ought to recover it and pull it ashore.' "'The plan is already in place,' Karina said. "'I'm going to head it up, if that's okay.' "'That's great,' Alex said. "'Thanks. "'Now I just need to figure out what to do with all the Warbler children in the long term. "'I talked to Mr. Applebossom, and I think we should observe them for a while, "'before we trust them to run around completely freely, don't you?' "'Everyone but Skye nodded in agreement. "'It's not like they're in jail or anything. "'Mr. Applebossom is keeping them inter- retained, Megan said. "'I'm helping, along with a bunch of others.' ''I think they're telling the truth about their parents sending them,'' Skye interjected. ''But I understand why you need to be careful.'' Alex flashed her a sympathetic smile. ''If they'd all watched the show on rafts, it would be different.'' ''I know. I get it.'' Alex reached under the table and squeezed Skye's hand. She squeezed back. ''Good,'' he said. ''Well, that frees me up to prepare for the next big thing.'' He turned to look at Skye full on. ''Are you finally ready to rescue your mother?'' ''Not quite,'' Skye said, rolling her eyes.'' "'Let me think of five other life-threatening things to do first. she grinned. Alex blushed in return. Every time Skye smiled at him, he thought he had lost half his brain. "'Well, I'm ready,' Sammy said, excitement building in his voice. "'Miss Octavia says we're good to go whenever you are.' He was eager to be on rescuing ends of things thing this time. "'We should be all set in a day or two. I just have a few things to prepare first,' Alex said, turning his focus back to their next task. "'How does that sound?' No one hesitated. They were ready.' He shoved his empty glass to the middle of the table and got to his feet. Karina, keep me posted on that that thing out there in the water. And Meg, let me know how it's going with the warbler children. Make sure they have everything they need, you know, to give them comfort or whatever. The idea of warbler parents trying to give their children a better life still astounded Alex. When they two back to the main entryway of the mansion and said goodnight, Megan pulled Alex aside. That must have been quite a shock, seeing your father. What did he say to you when you saw him? she asked. Nothing, Alex said. Not one thing. He thought about the strange, frightened look on his father's face. He took one look at me and went the other way. Megan nodded sympathetically. Both of them sorely reminded the fact that there were still some things magic can't fix. 15. Another Creature In the tube in Haluki's office, Aaron hit the single button, which took him to the kitchenette in Artemis' mansion. He poked his hat out of the opening in the glass to make sure no one had noticed his presence. It was deserted and quiet. Aaron turned his attention to the buttons before him, wondering which of them would take him back to the jungle. He'd forgotten about his mad dash to push them all at once, which is what had brought him there in the first place. They might not be quite as easy as he thought. He studied them, wiping his clammy hands on his pants, and then, in a moment of brilliance... He took a deep breath, head-pressed them all at once like he had done before, and in an instant he was thrust into the mucky-spelling jungle. A few thin streaks of bright sunlight made their way through the jungle floor, but most of the area surrounding Aaron was shaded by a canopy of leaves. Aaron stood completely still, hand-poised on the button that would take him back to the mansion. Only his eyes traveled as he canvassed the area, looking for anything that moved. When his gaze passed over the ground directly in front of the tube, he saw the shackles. They were intact, not smashed. The cuffs were open, as if their locking mechanisms had been released. Cautiously, Aaron crouched down. He picked up the shackles and put them inside the tube. They could be useful someday. While crouched, Aaron dared to glance behind him through the glass. Nothing moved. After a moment, Aaron stood up. He took a few steps outside the tube, ready to bolt back inside it again at the sight of anything alarming. It was then that he realized that gigantic rock was gone. Aaron's lips parted in surprise. Where could it be? He looked all around. Was he confused? He could have imagined it. He took a few steps toward the clearing, then a few more, and peered down a path. There was no big rock anywhere to be seen. When he heard a rustling in the leaves, Aaron whirled round, realizing how far he'd strayed from the tube. His eyes scanned the jungle floor, unsure where the rustling noise came from. He crept toward the tube, looking in every direction as he moved. "'Who's there?' he called out in a loud whisper. From a clump of brown and orange leaves, a small body would emerge with exactly the same colorings as its background. He had the floppy ears of a dog and the wagging tail of a dog, and for all matter of speaking, he quite probably was a dog, although his strange brown and orange coloring threw Aaron a bit. The dog smiled, his two perfect rows of tiny, pointy teeth fitting together like puzzle pieces. Aaron ran for safety in the tube. The creature continued smiling pleasantly and dipped his head, almost as if to bow. His ears brushed to the ground. "'Do you know who I am?' Aaron asked. The dog tilted its head. "'Aaron took a step toward it. "'I'm the High Priest of Quill.' "'The creature's back end tag wailed, "'his tail slapping lightly against a sapling. "'Aaron looked around. "'He didn't see the large black creature anywhere, "'so he took another step toward the friendly little thing. "'The dog stepped closer to Aaron, too. "'Just as Aaron leaned forward to pet him, "'the dog leaped at him with a shriek, mouth open wide. "'He dug his tiny, sharp teeth into Aaron's arm. "'Ow!' Aaron yelled. "'He shook his arm, trying to get the dog to let go, "'but the dog was hung on. "'He was much heavier than Aaron would have guessed.' But Aaron didn't have the weather to speculate about that. His arm hurt terribly. Let go of me! The dog didn't obey. Aaron tried to kick the dog off, but succeeded only in hurting his toes. The thing had to be made out of cement. Release me! He cried. And just like that, the creature's jaw unhinged, and the dog dropped to the ground. Aaron grabbed his throbbing, bleeding arm and held it to his body. What in the name of Quill is wrong with you? He stepped back as the dog retreated, still grinning. And then the dog jumped straight into the air and bit a tree branch, and hung there, swinging and grinning, as his body slowly changed to the solid brown color of the bark on the tree behind it. "'Evil thing,' Aaron muttered. Keeping one eye on the dog and the tree, he inspected his arm. Dozens of miniature puncture wounds dotted his skin, and droplets of blood oozed from them. Aaron lifted his shirt tail and carefully wrapped it around his arm, holding it tight and wished for some water. This visit was not turning out like he expected. When a shadow fell over him, Aaron turned and looked up. His mouth dropped open. It was the rock, its cave-like mouth agape. And on top of the rock stood the black creature, crouched low and ready to pounce.